Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and... Me, Wilwar, a music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And we're joined by a special guest today, an old friend of the podcast, and a fellow contributor to Trash, it's Ashley Powis. Hello. Hello, Ashley. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm so glad you're having me back. And you were last with us to talk about ABBA. All the way back in April, so I don't know why it's taken so long to get me back. Well, good things come to those who wait. I don't know if that's you or the listeners. Well, it's definitely for list for our listeners today because um, we're going to be talking about, um, and it's an artist actually very close to your heart, Lady Gaga for the first time. And Dan, I can't believe we've gone this long without covering a Lady Gaga album. Actually, likewise, and actually you have asked me many times, haven't you, why haven't we covered Lady Gaga so far? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, she's, you know, arguably the, I wouldn't say the queen of pop. I'm sure there'd be a few people who put a hit out on me, but the princess of pop. And, oh, isn't that Britney uh, Spears? Oh, Kylie Minogue. She's oh. the pint-sized princess of pop. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, Britney Spears is probably the estranged princess of pop. She's the Meghan Markle of pop, I think. I was going to say the Sarah Ferguson. <laughs> and I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying that, either of them. And that would make Madonna Princess Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I'm very yeah, pleased to be here talking about it. So, yeah, back in the day, I was definitely a, a, a bit of a super fan. Uh, uh, one of her little monsters, is that the term? I don't think I've ever referred myself to that. I didn't ever call her mother. Um, <laughs> didn't suckle on her. <laughs> uh, that's why little monsters was her collective term for her fans. Yeah. yeah. Which is something a lot of artists started doing. I think it's more since the dawn of Twitter. Yeah. And when there's a, like a regular collective of people sharing their appreciation. You've mm. got Directioners. Got the Katie Cats. Yeah, and... Um, the Lovers. Justin Bieber's... Uh, Bieber Files. Believers. Oh, yes, sorry. <laughs> so the album of Lady Gaga's we're going to talk about today, um, in a strange turn of events, isn't um, the fame, but it's the fame monster, which was the reissue of her debut album. And Dan, just a bit of clarity as to why... You were wanting a tenuous link as to why on this yeah. date. It, and it is, I'm getting really good at this because it is quite a good one. I know sure actually. It's not Lady Gaga's mum's dog buried something on this day <laughs> and she dug it up and that inspired one chord of one song. I mean, that does sound like yeah, something she would yeah. do. Or, um, but I'm sure it's something much more uh, solid than that. Abs- absolutely. So, yesterday was 10 years since the release of The Fame Monster. As you said, the reissue. So, um, The Fame was her debut album and this was an additional eight wonderful tracks and the reason we're not talking about the whole thing today is because we know our listeners time is very precious so i'm sure we'll come on to talk about the fame at some point but today we're really concentrating on the monster so this was released november the 18th 2009 and the fame was released the year before in 2008 but i guess just for the uninitiated just a little bit on lady gaga herself dan ashley what's lady gaga's real name it's stephanie joanne germanotta yes Born in 1986, so she's 33. Same year as me. So she's, it's her and Alex Turner from Arctic Monkeys, both born in 86. I do sometimes find myself uh, comparing my life to theirs and thinking that, well, I used to think they'd done slightly better than me, but now with track by track doing so well, you know, I feel like maybe they'll be looking the way. Well, I think they're quite jealous. Yeah? Really. Yeah. I would, yeah. Maybe we'll get them as guests. Maybe they'll be begging to come on the show. They've not got a hit... A music podcast that thousands of people listen to every week. Uh, and what a career already she has had. Singer, songwriter, actress, um, artist. Is there anything else that she's done? Oh, yeah. Or been doing? 
mean, she's won a lot of awards. Oscars, Grammys. Yeah, the, uh, the trophy cabinet's definitely a bit chocker. And I think this album is perfect for Track by Track because it's very pure in its pop sensibilities. But Lady Gaga's also had a rich career musically with pop music, dance music, country music... The stuff she did with uh, Tony Bennett's music. Yeah. Probably won't be featuring that. <laughs> but Ashley, were you a fan from the off, from single number one? Um, yeah, I was a massive fan from the start. I remember when uh, Just Dance first came out. Uh, and at that point, everything was on iTunes. There was no Apple Music. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember that it would list how which songs you're most listened to on the right-hand side. And I think my second place song was probably about... 250 listens and then Just Dance is on there about 600 listens wow it was one of those you know when you have like one song that you listen to in the shower then on the way to work mm. then at work it was definitely like one of those from the off I have to say I used to love seeing my top 25 most played on iTunes and it's a real shame you don't get that now on streaming services so if anyone is listening from any of those streaming services please do bring that back uh, Will was you a fan from Just Dance? I did I really enjoyed all the all the initial tracks that she released, but it was when this the the fame monster came out, and I think we'll probably talk a lot about bad romance shortly. Lovely. But that was what tipped the scales actually completely for me. Yeah, um, for a was, lot of people, I think. And it was you know, and then the next couple of albums were all like essential listening. Yeah, but this was the real. I think it was for me her best. Yeah. I have to say, Just Dance, for me, as you well know, actually, I'm not really a fan of that song at all. Still, I'm not really a big fan of that one. And I think when it came out, I kind of put Lady Gaga in this sort of um, Kesha sort of category. I thought it was a bit kind of um, generic. Yeah, just didn't do anything for me at all. Poker Face, I was a little bit more intrigued. And then Paparazzi, even more so. I thought that was just completely well written. And then obviously the videos were coming a bit more, uh, had that kind of storyline that Shory's put in there. And yeah, likewise, the fame monster for me really did um, make me realise how big a star she was going to be. But I was very lucky to see her uh, before the release of the fame monster at Glastonbury when she played in the middle of the day on the other stage to a sort of medium-sized crowd just as paparazzi had come out. So should we waste no more time now and get stuck into to the music? We've only got eight tracks to talk about today, but they're eight good tracks, Meaty tracks. on the whole. So it's side one, track one. And Daniel, what you have with that boy in the chip shop. <laughs> a bad romance. the opening track there what a song I mean I, I always have a, a bold statement for this song okay which is that I fully believe this is one of if not the best pop song ever ever I mean and pops wow that's that's a big statement but I think I would definitely have it up there definitely certainly you know put it into categories of um, if you put a female led pop song from the last Century, I definitely have it up there, but of all time, wow, that's huge. I can remember when this was released, which is back in October 2009, and just the, th- the opening strains of it 
if you were uh, in a pub or in a pub or club and that came on, it would just be a, a moment. Everyone would want to go and dance, and it was like the track at the time. It was huge, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and when I was on last time with ABBA, and I think I said their success was, I think my exact words were, um, so many hooks like a bait shop. Whereas this one, I have to say, has probably more hooks than the crew of the Jolly Roger. Wow. <laughs> I think um, it's just every verse, the bridge, the chorus, everything has something that sticks in your head with this song. Yeah, it's just, the, the beat is fantastic and just relentless. The synths, obviously a lot of Lady Gaga's music uh, relies heavily on synthesizers. And I think on this one in particular, you can hear kind of hints towards maybe some 80s kind of synth work. And But just the, the quality of the sound of this song. I remember the Christmas that this came out. It was my first year at uni. So first of all, as you said, we'll run into the dance floor. Uh, we did that a lot when we went out to... Um, was it called Carnage? When you go on those horrible nights where you get a t-shirt and you... Oh, I've seen that oh, in, the, yeah. in the Daily Mail. It looks uh, awful. Oh, yeah, I was in that, actually. <laughs> this was on the soundtrack to year one of uni. But I got some new headphones that Christmas and this was the first song that I played on the new headphones. And compared to the previous sort of crappy ones that I had, the sound of this, I could hear every single element of the song and it mm-hmm. just made me realise even more uh, how, how brilliant it is. And speaking of the synths, the amazing music video, I think Cynthia Sounds is one of the backing dancers <laughs> in that music video, but I mean, what a video um, as well. Yeah, it's an incredible, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a mini film, it's a work of art and I'm right in thinking that Gaga, well, I was going to say she had a, a big hand in... Uh, in the video, but she always has a hand in the creative side, doesn't she? Yeah, absolutely. And you can almost tell by um, by looking at her music videos that they are just, they're so wacky that any normal record label wouldn't put that on a table and yeah. put that out there because they'd think, ooh, people aren't going to get this. You can tell that she is involved. I mean, even just the storyline of this this song, you know, you could listen to it and it just sounds like a, a bad breakup song. When you watch the video, it's, she's been kidnapped and she's sold by Russian gangsters and then she eventually burns one to death. This was a huge hit. It was number one in pretty much every country it was released in. Uh, and where it wasn't number one, it was still within the top five. Uh, but yeah, huge hit. Also, production, songwriting, Red One. Red One. Red One. Who's throughout this, uh, plays a big hand in the fame and, and on the vast majority of the songs on uh, the fame monster as well. And if we started listing songs that Red One had written slash and or produced, we would be here all day. Wasn't that a wonderful time in music when singers would sing the name of the producer as the song started? (laughs) I did see a tweet from Little Boots recently, who's been releasing some, she worked with Red One on, actually on Remedy. um, And someone asked her on Twitter, did he, why didn't you sing his name? And she said that uh, she was quite gutted that he didn't ask her to sing it on the track. Imagine you his first single, like, Stuart Price. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My favourite Red One um, reference uh, is at the start of Broken Heels by Alexander Burke.
Um, but back to bad romance. Mm. Um, I have to say as well, I think that the fame, although a little bit wacky, I think this was the, the, the tipping point into Lady Gaga's complete wackiness. Yeah. Especially with the production as well, with all the layers. I also think this is a bit of a precursor to Venus, which was two albums later. But if you listen to the production on Venus, it's just sound layered on sound, layered on sound. And I think this song was the first time we heard Lady Gaga did it. And then I didn't really hear it again until Venus, two albums later. I loved Venus. But every time someone says Venus is a song, I just think about Banana Rama. Hello, Hello ladies. And Will, um, I know you're on really good terms with, with the editing fairy, so I don't suppose you could uh, put in a good word to just pop a bit of Venus in there. When you touch me, I die just a little inside. I wonder if this could be love, this could be love. Cause you're out of this world, galaxy, space and time. I wonder if this could be love. Uh, and last thing on Bad Romance and before we move on because we have talked a lot about this song because there's so much to talk about if you ever want to know where this song is playing just be sure to be following Pop Justice on Twitter because uh, I think he likewise believes that this song is uh, the best pop song ever written and if he hears it out and about or on Radio 1 or in Asda FM he will let you know Track 2 now uh, and this is Alejandro Don't call my name Alejandro, not quite how you pronounced it well before. So I was just uh, having some fun there. <laughs> or how did you say it was pronounced, Ashley? I think it's Alejandro. <laughs> oh, think, say what you see. I think Will's maybe a bit closer. Uh, I'd forgotten, until I re-listened to this album recently, I'd forgotten how good that song is. That kind of, it's got a, such a banging like synth bed to running all the way through it. Very Europop. Oh, very Europop. And that's why I really, really enjoyed it. But it's very relentless, isn't it? Mm. Whereas, like, Bad Romance is very much, very creative, lots of different things going on. And this is very repetitive. But I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. Mm, absolutely. Um, and I think you can tell it's one of um, Gaga herself's favourites. Because if you see her live to this day, this song makes it into the set list. Really? And, yeah, and certainly last time I saw her, which was the, the art rave... She didn't do any songs in full, I don't think, apart from Paparazzi from The Fame, and yet this song made it into the set list. Well, interestingly, I did read that the label wanted Dance in the Dark as the third single from the album, and Gaga pushed for this to be the third single from the album, which follows your formula, because it's quite a Balearic-sounding song, Mm. isn't it? And it follows your formula of third single. The first single is an absolutely massive pop song. Second one is really big but something a completely different sound which the was third, telephone for this one and uh, the third one is something a little bit more european yes yeah but i think an argument between her and the record label about singles would make sense for this one because i think this would have been kind of art over paperwork because this song got quite a backlash especially from religious groups mainly for the video so she was a nun who was swallowing rosaries and dancing with naked men and it got a really bad reception from from quite a lot, certainly in America. Oh, Dan, it sounds yeah. like your Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Now, we did, uh, while the song was playing, we did liken it to a few Europop legends. Uh, Will, you said ABBA. Yeah, and not just because she says Fernando, obviously. <laughs> well, I think it was just because she said Fernando, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, we also talked about Ace of Bass. Ashley, did you say you could hear... Yeah, I think that the bass line in that song is... Um, yeah, it, it could easily be uh, in an Ace of Bass song. Which is very... Di- I've said it already, but it's very different to Bad Romance. I don't think sounds like either of those two artists. It just shows the, the diversity of Mother Monster. Oh, lovely. Um, but I'm reading here that someone from the Rolling Stone magazine actually called it a loving ABBA spoof. Oh. Um, while Digital Spy gave it five out of five stars, but compared it to uh, Little Bonita. Uh, it did really brilliantly as well in the charts. This one, obviously, not the dizzying heights of band romance, but it was number one or top ten in most countries. So, track three now. This is Monster. That boy is a So, Monster there, and an additional writer on this one, Space Cowboy. Now, not Jamiroquai, which you might be thinking. Uh, Space Cowboy is a French-English writer, producer, singer-songwriter, DJ. And as soon as that song starts, you know, that kind of really atmospheric, instrumental beginning, really makes me think of like a 90s dance song, like um, something like Faithless or... Uh, Robert Miles' Children or something like that. Sandstorm. Yeah, Sandstorm, Mm. yeah. And I think maybe that's Space Cowboy's influence on that. And I remember he, the first time I heard Space Cowboy, he covered Prince's song, I Would Die For You. Uh, And if we're lucky, let's have a little bit of that. Yeah, and this was uh, actually the first track written from the Fame Monster. Uh, you can tell by two major things. One, that uh, Space Cowboy is on writing and he had a big hand in the Fame, certainly with Starstruck, where he is, he's name-checked. Um, but also, if you listen to this song in full, she references Just Dance. Hmm. So it's actually, she says, um, I want to Just Dance in oh. quite a specific way. Um, so yeah, this was actually the start of the Fame Monster, and I guess from the title of the song... You can tell. Yeah. I think it's very... Again, it's quite Europop, but not in the same way as Alejandro. And, uh, but the drums, I think, are very 80s. I can imagine those being in an early Pet Shop Boys song or something like that. Uh, of course, there was a wonderful performance where Gaga joined Pet Shop Boys for when they did their Brits medley, and she took the place of... Dusty, Dusty Springfield. Springfield. Yeah. Um, but looking here in, in an interview, Lady Gaga described this song as a fear of her sex and relationships, and the literal meaning is about a man with um, big genitals. Oh, for me, this is definitely an album track, but still a fantastic pop song. And when I was listening to it, I was thinking it does sound very almost standard Gaga, but I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I just think it's, I think the fact that you'd call a song this good standard for her is just a testament to her her skill. Track four now, uh, and this is Speechless. And after all. 
Speechless, actually, that was uh, ballad time. How was that for you? Well, I'm speechless. Um, I love that song. Yeah. I think it's 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 a it's a ballad, but it's not too uh, it's not a cheesy ballad. It's quite um, it's got that guitar in it. That I think just brings it lifts it a little bit higher. Well, I say with more trepidation. <laughs> <laughs> that was ballad time. How was that for you? What a great time to talk about fantastic artwork. I was right. <laughs> so, no, what was I right? You were not. No, I wasn't right, sorry. Ash and I were debating when you talk about the album artwork, and we didn't think it'd be this song. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is it's lovely, but for me, it's my least favourite on what is a very strong eight tracks on balance. Mm. Um, but I do think it's the right time to talk about the album artwork. Uh, and there she is on the front cover. She's uh, straightened out a mop and um, <laughs> <laughs> popped it on her head. I know she's got a very striking blonde uh, wig with a very uh, edgy cut to yeah. it. Claudia Winkleman fringe. Yes, yes, it is actually. Uh, and then she's got a very square uh, shouldered uh, PVC black jacket, which is covering her face a little bit with her eyes peeping out the middle. Mm. Um, and with quite a nice, simple font. Font watch. Font, font watch. Uh, a, little, a little bit of flair on the T of Monster. Uh, well, quite religious, wouldn't you say? I, I, love, I really like the simplicity of it, the black and white uh, of her look and, you know, the overall cover. And the single artwork kept, was in keeping with this, st- as it would as someone that's heavily stylized and kind of stays true to each specific look yeah. through the singles. But if I may talk about Speechless just a little bit. Yes. Um, there's, there's two, well, I suppose there's one interesting thing that I found about this is when I first heard it, I likened it a bit to Beautiful by Christina Regulera. Oh, yeah. Um, when you look into it, actually, the uh, the production arrangement and conduction was done by Ron Fair, who also did Beautiful. Interesting. Oh. Um, and then one of my favourite moments of this song is when she performed it at the Royal Variety. Oh, on, the words that and, on that very tall piano. Yes. Uh, and there's that wonderful footage backstage of her meeting Her Majesty the Queen, and the Queen can just be heard saying, that was a very big piano. <laughs> that's all she could think to say. Oh, what else would you say? Yeah, that performance, I think, is just one of her... Obviously, there was the X Factor performance I talked about, and this happened a few months afterwards, but at that time, every time she performed a track on some TV show or whatever, it was just a huge, big-budget thing, wasn't it? It wasn't never her just rolling up with a guitar. It was um, the full... House of Gargoyle spectacle. Yeah, certainly no Ed Sheeran inside. No, thank goodness. Track five. It's Dance in the Dark. Dance in the Dark, for me, probably my second favourite song on the album. Mine too. Yeah? Yeah. Will? Uh, it's not my second favourite song on the album, but it's really good. Really? What makes it your second favourite song? Well, just, I think it's like with Monster, and I suppose with Bad Romance, it's just got this real, 
synths are fantastic and as Ashley said before loads of different layers and lots of different elements and lots of different things going on but also um, there's a real like gothic vibe to this one I think very dark and I suppose well dance in the dark you know it's in the title but um, from the uh, some of the vocal effects to the drums it just feels kind of 80s gothic synth pop which I love yeah, and um, interestingly enough, so this song was the first time that she works with a man called Fernando Garibay. Is that Fernando who, from the Alejandro song? No, it's Fernando from the Abba song, actually. Oh, right. <laughs> um, but very importantly, especially for Lady Gaga fans, she met him uh, to write this song, and then he, with her, basically wrote the entire of Born This Way. So oh. he worked on, yeah, Americano, Bad Kids, Bloody Mary, Born This Way, Edge of Glory, Government Hooker. He did all of them. And again, they've got that kind of quite gothic, I feel. Exactly. I feel, feel, I should say. She obviously found a kindred spirit there, mm. in tapping into, into, a, into a good side mm. of her. Mm. And a little bit of that, the, uh, the Madonna influence as well in the middle, where you've got a bit like the moment in Vogue where she name checks all the celebs, and this one you've got Liberace, Princess Diana, she goes through them in this one. And actually, I was going to say a little uh, quiz time for the two of you. Can you name any other people on that uh, list? So you've said... Liberace, Princess Diana. Anyone else from that? Uh, Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Barbara um, Windsor. Sadly not. You could have said Marilyn Monroe, Sylvia Plath, uh, Jesus. Do you know of his work? No. Was he in the Sugar Babes? Uh, the only person who hasn't been. Uh, Stanley <laughs> Kubrick um, and a couple of others, I think, as well. And a top quote here, another one from Digital Spy. <laughs> Uh, and Nick Levine said, it's the sort of song makes you want to dance with your top off in a grotty German bondage basement. Oh, and did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just, yeah, I love it. it takes, it's another one that takes me back to year one of uni. I can remember listening to this in halls, drinking cheap cider from a mug. Happier times. Uh, just the, the whole production of this is quite grandiose. Maybe think that I don't think she's ever worked with Trevor Horn. And I think this has got hints of some of his work with, again, Pet Shop Boys or maybe Frankie Goes to Hollywood. We're quite interested to hear those two work together. And when I saw her at, I think it was the Born This Way Born, she did this. She dedicated this song to Alexander McQueen. Of course, because remember the Brit Awards as well when she did that performance. Uh, She was planning a a really big um, balls out performance of this song. And he died a few days before, so she really stripped it down and dedicated it to him at the beginning. Pop the balls away. Yes. It's the right thing to do. So track six now uh, with a special guest. This is Telephone featuring Beyonce. My favourite track on the really? album. I, I love this even more than Bad Romance. Wow, that's that's huge, but it's an amazing pop song. An interesting history behind this, because Gaga actually wrote it for Britney, who rejected it. Really? So in a defiant act, she re-recorded it, or recorded it herself, and got Beyonce involved as well. There's two fingers to Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> that's bonkers. I, mean, I wonder why she turned it down. It's, it's an amazing song. Of course, Gaga was huge at the time. So it would have been good for Britney to do a Gaga yeah. written song. But it does sound like a Britney song. If you think about it, you could, you could fully imagine Britney Spears doing it. I just, I love the 
energy and pace this song has. It kind of just the minute it kicks in, it doesn't stop. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even more than the song, I think the video. Oh, this is amazing. one of those songs that was made by the video, in my opinion, where she, you know it's um, it's actually a continuation of Paparazzi. Oh. So it, it follows on from that story. So obviously, at the end of Paparazzi, she goes to jail for killing her assumed husband, and this is her getting bailed out. I didn't know that. Um, and was influenced by Quentin Tarantino, which is why they're driving the the, the pussy wagon or the, or the kitty wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Naked detraction reference there, everyone. <laughs> but also, do you remember the Halloween after this song came out and all the girls had Diet Coke cans in their hair? Oh, yes, yeah. I forgot about that, yeah. The video is fantastic. Lots of sort of breaks, aren't there? There's, um, there's like a, some sort of cookery class at one point, is there? And there's, um, let's say you've got to kill the cow to eat the burger or something. Oh, yeah, that is bizarre. Yeah, but yeah. it does feel very Tarantino. Are you a Tarantino fan, Will? Uh, not really, no. no. A bit violent for me. Oh, a bit much. Uh, this was a number one hit in the UK, but it also did brilliantly ev- pretty much, again, everywhere else it was released. Uh, it was top three in the States and either number one or top ten across the rest of the world. And there aren't many artists you can say have worldwide success to the extent, like, a couple of the tracks we've talked about uh, today. I mean, just the fact that it's Gaga and Beyonce together, this is a huge clash of the titans, isn't this? kind of collaboration doesn't happen very often and I'm just off the top of my head I'm thinking uh, David Bowie and Mick Jagger when they did Dancing in the Street which is one of the worst co- songs or cover versions ever recorded despite the fact I love both as individual artists uh, the only other, other huge one I can think of is uh, Sugar Babes and Girls Aloud <laughs> <laughs> and actually you were just saying to me earlier during our dress rehearsal that um, they've never performed this together not live no Never performed it together live, and even more disappointingly, at the end of the music video, you had a to be continued dot dot dot, and it never was. Oh, well, and we're still waiting. How many years later? Still time. Well, this was released as a single January the twenty sixth, twenty ten. So maybe on January the twenty sixth, twenty twenty, we'll get part two. That'd be lovely. Wow! Imagine if that actually came true. So many things that we've talked about. We talked about Spice Girls getting back together. It happened. We talked about Alphabet getting back together, and it happened. So uh, everybody. We just like to confirm that Gaga and Beyonce are getting back together. And tonight's Euro Millions numbers will be. <laughs> <laughs> so, track number seven now, the penultimate track on The Fame Monster. So happy I could die. So happy I could die there. That was another one with Red One and Space Cowboy. The Space Cowboy tracks, they have a slightly more ethereal feel mm. uh, rather than being a kind of re- a harder sound. Definitely, yeah. And again, 90, I think really 90s dance influenced. I thought this sounded like it could be an album track from a 90s Europop album. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is probably my least favourite on the album. Really? Um, I just think it's a bit of a slow burner and mm. I understand why it's listed after telephone I think after telephone you do need something to just bring things back to earth it's not a bad song I just think it's um, yeah it's a little bit a little bit slow for me mm. I think it could have been an early like Nelly Furtado song interesting there were comparisons when it came out to Britney Spears 
which I was obviously interesting as well, considering the telephone thing. Uh, musically, I really like the, this, uh, particularly in the verses, there's a real sort of fuzzy bass throughout it. It's very, the bass is very heavy and droning. And of course, there's that lyric of happy in the club with a bottle of red wine. I don't think red wine's really a clubbing drink, is it? Depends on the club that you're in. Well, yeah, I was visualising myself with a WKD blue or something like that. With your feet sticking to the carpets. Yeah. Lovely. Happier times. Yeah. So, moving on to track eight, and uh, what the dentist would say to you when you lay back in the chair. Teeth. Now love to fix them. No one's perfect. Take a bite of my bad girl. Uh, so actually, just a couple of questions about your dentist. Has he got quite limited English? <laughs> <laughs> quite pushed for time. <laughs> what does oh. your optician say when you get there? Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what an interesting song. I, I love this song, but it it really doesn't go anywhere. I can't figure. You know, I can't see where the chorus is or the verse. I just, I can't piece it together. Mm. I think it's musically, it sounds like it could almost be from a musical, actually. It's quite it's quite dramatic, it's quite brassy, it's quite repetitive. It could have been a sort of an interlude scene uh, in a, a musical about your dentist, perhaps. Well, I'm sure he'd love that. Um, but it's funny you mentioned the brassiness, because that, that just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's just really bizarre again. It really reminds me of uh, Honey by Moby. Real bump to it. To use the technical term. Yes, that will be in the uh, reissue of, of the Track by Track Sounds book for 2020. Something that I love about this song, in a twist of the most bizarre uh, celebrity-endorsed product, mm. is that Lady Gaga released a toothbrush that sang this song. <laughs> How weird! By Oral B, was it? I also remember... Um, this is one of many songs that was covered by the Glee kids as well. Really? Was yeah. it? Oh. I don't remember that. But I didn't watch Glee, so that's probably why. <laughs> the only ones I remember them doing, because they obviously Don't Stop Believing, which I now hate that song. Uh, but I really liked their version of Let's Get Physical, which I think Olivia Newton-John guested on. I think it was actually better than the original. But I'm put that out there. Um, but actually, now you mentioned it, Will, yeah, like, they did do a, a full Lady Gaga episode. Oh. on Glee and I remember they tried to pay homage to all of her outfits um, and went for things like the Kermit the Frog dress oh yeah um, the meat dress the meat dress wasn't featured but actually her royal variety dress was oh uh, this song features Teddy Riley on writing and production uh, Teddy is um, an R&B uh, hip hop uh, influenced producer who was worked with Michael Jackson back in the day uh, but Will, I think you'll be more interested in the fact that he worked on Mel B's first solo album and also did some stuff with Samantha Mumba. Yes, uh, I think I'm really interested in the Mumba factor. Mm. Big comeback this year for her? Next year, I should say? Well, she did fall quite flat uh, when we saw her perform. And the Mighty Hoopla. Yeah. Mm. So, that is the end of the Fame Monster. But we have got some further listening. So it would be remiss of us not to go further into the fame. So we're each going to pick our favourite track from that. Ashley, as our guest today, would love to invite you to go first. This was a very tricky decision. 
but I think I have to go with one purely because uh, before I was in a loving relationship, this was my uh, the text on my Tinder profile. Oh, and uh, oh. mine is beautiful, dirty, rich. Oh, I thought you were going to say I like it. Rough. Yeah, <laughs> or boys, boys, boys. Just like the party, like the pop up party, yeah. Wonderful drum and bass on that song, and I mean that not in the genre, but the actual the, the drums and the bass working together. There's a lovely groove in that. Yeah, absolutely, and, and chock full of synth. Hmm. Yeah, and there's there's some interesting people who who worked on this track actually. So there's Eight uh, Bit, um, whose name is actually Rob Fusari. So he worked on a Destiny Child's Beautylicious, but then also in a complete curveball uh, worked on the uh, re-released Lexicon of Love. In 2016 with ABC. Yes, or the, the follow-up, I should just slightly correct you there, but um, that's going to love too, which is bonkers, isn't it? That's such a 80s um, string-heavy, you know, it just sounds nothing like Gaga, that, mm. that album, but it's a great album, and of course we saw it live. Um, right up the hall. Oh, lovely. Yeah, sorry, Will, uh, only two tickets. Uh, well, my favourite thing he's produced is Wild Wild West from Will Smith. That is a great featured album. featured in the hit film. But as for Beautiful Dirty Rich, I like the re- repetition of the title throughout. I think it's a really nice touch. I like how it's just kind of more stripped back than the Fame Monster. For me, it's a, what a fun song. And an album track? And definitely an album track. Well, it was a promotional single. <laughs> Although the artwork for the single does look a bit like a sort of uh, a women's raunchy novel. Oh, I would say it looks it like a perfume advert. Oh, well, women's raunchy perfume advert, perhaps. Yes. Hmm. And what a beautiful thing. (laughs) So Dan, what have you gone for? So it's not an an obvious choice, uh, and I referenced it earlier. I think Paparazzi was, for me, a bit of a turning point in um, Gaga as an artist and a songwriter. So let's have a little listen to that. Uh, what a classic. Yeah. Nothing new. You know, obviously, you've heard it before. Probably everyone's heard that song before. But I do think it's uh, one of the best. Maybe a little bit overlooked by you know, Bad Romance and uh, Born This Way and some yeah. of the other bangers. I think the, I think the thorn in Paparazzi's side was that Poker Face was so big. I mean, Poker Face broke every single record that happened. And then Paparazzi just sort of never could sit next to it, I don't think. I mean, you say every single record, like the... The four minute marathon or whatever it is. <laughs> four minute mile, not four minutes. <laughs> four minute Quite marathon. Really <laughs> and it went on to win Bake Off. <laughs> oh, <laughs> lovely. Um, but the, again, I, I keep talking about the music video for Paparazzi starring the very famous Alexander Skarsgård. Really? I didn't know that. Well, I um, forgot it, maybe. Brilliant music video. Yeah, she's in, the, in her crutches. She starts in her crutches and slowly uh, has bits taken off her. Uh, yeah, I, one of my favourites from that first 
brace of songs from Gaga. And also, uh, for fans of the podcast, uh, there's a Stuart Price remix of this. Yes, I love that remix. It's on the remix album. And there's uh, remixes from Alphabet and Pet Shop Boys in there, so some real track-by-track favourites. One thing I don't like about this song is the single artwork. It does look like a poster promoting a night at heaven. It does. Yeah. Yeah. How's this changed? It looks like she's going to be judging Porn Idol one week. (laughs) (laughs) We did go and see... uh, Was it Kim Woodburn? It was Kim Woodburn. And uh, she'd had a couple of drinks, I think, before. Did you see any wee-wees or (laughs) (laughs) hoo-hahs? Disgusting. Well, you didn't answer the question. Yes and yes. (laughs) Plenty. Oh, that's like, not naked attraction life. <laughs> not not Kim's. No. <laughs> Hers was tucked away under a pencil skirt. Oh. Well, further listening. So, um, although we alluded to it earlier, I've gone for um, the lesser known and quite a different sound. I like it rough. I like it rough. Which was our final further listing choice today by me. And I like, again, it sounds different to, you know, slightly more electronic, almost a bit otherworldly, a bit sort of space invaders at the start. Definitely. Uh, I don't know what she's talking about, though. It must be a sort of subtext in the, in the lyrics there. Uh, sandpaper, perhaps. The, the specific type she likes for a DIY. Yes, perhaps. Um, something that's quite interesting about this song, because I think it is one you, uh, you know, it's buried deep in the fame, um, but it's actually in the telephone video when Lady Gaga is listening to something through her headphones, it's this song. Really? Oh. A little tidbit there, which is lovely. You only get that from a, a monster like yourself. Not a monster. No. Okay. Cross promotion. So this one was co-written with uh, Cherry Cherry Boom Boom, who we have spoken about before in the tattoo episode. So... Hello, Martin. I understand why it goes with Cherry Cherry Boom Boom. <laughs> with Martin Kissen Boom. Oh, we're out of time. Oh. So that's uh, the Fame Monster and a little bit of the Fame phone in for uh, good measure. And thank you very much for joining us, Ashley. Thank you for having me. Hope it's been an enjoyable experience. It's been really lovely and I, I, uh, I love that you two dressed up for the occasion. We've been having our own uh, monsters ball. Yes, uh, I am vegetarian, so this dress is fully corn. Just to, just to be clear on that. And these are toads, not frogs. <laughs> I love what you've done with the nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> they are, uh, they're my own models, though. Testicles. <laughs> Uh, so, if you've enjoyed us talking about Lady Gaga um, and or have some thoughts of your own, uh, do reach out to us via our platforms. Uh, yes, at Move to Trash UK hashtag Track by Track. And don't forget to head to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and a review uh, from our, well, not little monsters. What would ours be? Our track by trackers. Our trackers? We'll, we'll think about it. Oh, cereal bars, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Seeded Ooh, bars. Love a tracker bar. Yeah, chocolate chip. Let us know what you want to be called. And Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to what's coming up next? Uh, definitely. So next week we are kicking off our top five albums of 2019. And... First up, it is a writer and producer and performer, 
uh, but not much of a singer who we featured only a few months ago. Interesting. Mm. I wonder who that could be. Uh, so that's it for Lady Gaga, and thank you again, Ashley, for joining us. See you again soon, hopefully. So until next time, I've been Alejandro. I've been Fernando. I've been Roberto. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.